30 Rack of Sports, which we have coming up. We're talking division winners. We're previewing the Ohio MLB teams, the Tribe in the Northeast, the Reds in the Southwest. We're talking about some weekend headlines. I've got a six-pack of stats to roll out for you and a whole lot more. Sports are almost back. Baseball's back this week. Basketball and hockey on the horizon of coming back. I, of course, am the talent, am the host. I'm Greg. To my right, a man who really is in a good mood, is more or less in a post-coil state with baseball being back this week. It's Zach. I don't even know what to say. Thanks. Yeah, I'm in a good mood. Uh, Baseball's back. It is back. You're right. So it is very, like, coital kind of feeling to it. Coitus, as they say, the layman's term. All right, and to my left, the man, the producer of this show, who's also in a good mood. He's happy because his team, FC Cincinnati, was able to steal victory from the jaws of mediocrity with only a two-man advantage. Okay, one-man advantage. The two, the the second red card came and stopped. It's time, but it, yeah. FC yeah. Cincinnati we got three points. We got three points. points. Let's just be happy. Over we got three Atlanta. points. Yeah. Really has a chance to make it to the knockout round, which after that 4-0 drubbing to my Columbus crew was a far cry. We're hanging in there. We are hanging in there. Cincinnati, here we go. First, we really need a drink. Oh. Beer of the week. That's awesome. Yeah, how do you do that? That's cool. Our beer of the week this week is Stardust to Stardust. From North High Brewing. I don't think we can actually sing this. Song. Oh, okay. Sorry, no, Disney. No, no, no. But it's an Imperial IPA from North High Brewing in Columbus, Ohio. Stardust to Stardust. Uh, it is a solid eight, 8.8%, so it'll knock down your butt a little bit. Could be an interesting show. Could be an interesting show. Stay, stay tuned. That's all I have to mm-hmm. say. Guys, what are your thoughts on this beer right away before I try it? Uh, it's very tasty. Uh, Aren't all beers tasty? Very descriptive. <laughs> uh, exceedingly happy, which is good. I mean, when you have an Imperial IPA, you want the hops. And if you want the hops, they got the hops. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it is It is pretty hoppy, but it's not overbearing. Like, I was I was thinking it would be a little heavier than it is, but uh, it's not too. that bad. Yeah. I, yeah, it is 8.8. Um, yeah, that's the one thing I've play. noticed a Child's lot. Play. Child's play. That's the one thing I've noticed a lot about the, the like, triple IPAs and the Imperial IPAs is they don't have, like, the super alcohol taste you might get in, like, the Imperial Stouts and whatnot. They're just very smooth. Yeah. You maybe get a little bit more hops, but you only really get that alcohol flavor. Yeah, there's definitely, what are there, like, three or four different hops, different yeah. hops in this? They're definitely mm-hmm. all there. It's a very mixed blend of hops, but, yeah, not overbearing. I and for it. those of you in the Columbus area, North High Brewing, of course, on North High Street, uh, about halfway between the Arena District and Ohio Stadium. The Ohio State. Don't get him going. The Ohio Stadium? I don't know. Who knows? Certainly check it out. This beer, fantastic. So thank you to those at North High Brewing for brewing one heck of an Imperial IPA. Very highly rated online. That we can't sing Stardust to Stardust. North High, Stardust to Stardust. Good beer. So Thursday was a great day in soccer in Ohio with both teams getting wins. FCC beat Atlanta United 
one to nothing Thursday morning thanks to a 26-minute red card by Atlanta's Jake Malari that FCC finally capitalized on with a 20 with a 76-minute super strike by 2019 MLS Super Draft number one overall pick Frankie Amaya. Later on Thursday night, the crew clinched their spot in the knockout round with a 2-0 win over the New York Red Bulls with goals by both members of CC Top, Jesse Zardes and Lucas Zellerayan. Zardes joined MLS legend and current U.S. Men's National Team GM Brian McBride as the only crew players to score in each of the team's first four games in a season. The Tribe started out their summer camp tune-up schedule with a 5-3 win versus Pittsburgh Saturday night. Christian Arroyo had three RBIs uh, coming in for relief for Jose Ramirez, and Zach Plesak got the start, pitching five innings, giving up two runs. Also, Tigers back in Ohio for the Memorial Tournament. Um, through 17 holes currently is plus five after just making the cut. Several shots behind John Rahm, who is currently at minus 12 through four. And those are your OH headlines. Who You Got is our next segment. This Who You Got segment is for the MLB division winners with the season starting Thursday night. So this week, less than Can't a week baseball. Can't wait. So we will start in the junior circuit, the American League. We'll start in the AL East. Zach, who are you taking in the AL East? Who the you Yankees. You got the Yankees. I don't want to, but yeah, I'm in the Yankees. All the way. Yankees? Josh? Yeah, I've got the Yankees too. I mean, they're going to be much healthier than they would have been had the season started on time. Maybe the Rays. Carlos back. Yeah, maybe the Rays put some put together a run, but I don't I see don't it happening. Not enough. from the division. No. no. I, yeah, Yanks. I am going to be the contrarian. Of course you are. And take the Rays. Because the one thing that the Rays have on their side is they're used to playing in empty stadiums. They're Sorry. used to playing in empty that's, stadiums. That's, that's, that's a good point. That's a good point and a fair burn. Look. All right, moving into the AL Central. Zach, I'm going to be very intrigued and not at all surprised on what team you think may win the AL Central. On a completely unbiased opinion. Good. That's what we want here. That's really what uh, we're giving to the people. Going with the tribe. Going with, Whoa. The, with the pitching. Um, the Twins are a year-to-year aberration. Um, you know, they beat up on the Indians last year, but, you know, they're, they're a fluke. They're a fluke team every year. This is The Twinkies. No faith in the Twinkies. <laughs> no. Not at all. Kenta Maeda being added to that staff? No. I'm just messing with you. I'm I'm also going with the Tribe. No question. Lindor. Dark Horse, but really not that much of a Dark Horse. MVP candidate. J-Ram. MVP. J-Ram could either be the best player or, like, the most mediocre player in the league, depending on what 60-game stretch he's going on. Yep. Taking the Tribe as well. Josh. The Indians, or the Cleveland baseball team. However, you may take it. I do think it'll be closer than you guys think it will be. I think oh, the yeah. uh, Indians and the Twins will uh, have quite the race there. It'll be like a two-game but, stretch. I think the Twins will be yeah. a wild card. Well, the other yeah. thing is, I mean, there's only 60 games, so there's not that much time to disinterest right. yeah. yourself in general. Yeah, those, so. will be, uh, those series between the Twins and the Indians should be good, though. And moving on to, I believe, probably one of the more interesting divisions 
uh, in the American League, probably the most interesting division in the American League. Starting with you here, Josh, the American League West. Who are we going with? I don't know. I like the A's. Um, I think the A's have a better shot of, I keep saying, like, who can put together a run. Um, and the A's, I think, have shown in past years that they can, they can, they're the more capable team of putting together, like, that, that run that you're going to need in a 60-game season, not getting a slump. Yeah, I'm actually going to agree with you here. I think they have a lot of good – they have some good pitching, and then they also have some players that can, you know, change games. Uh, Matt Chapman is a, a heck of a player. Chris Davis, you know, if he's rolling, yeah, is, Chris is Davis, a really good Chris player. Chris Davis needs to be hot, I think. Um, to... You know, a lot of people are, are very high on uh, on Marcus Simeon, who, you know, has had his defensive troubles, but is still a very good hitter. So I could definitely see Oakland doing it. And then also the one, the one thing that I have on it is – a lot of people may have forgotten about the Houston asterisks controversy. Yeah. But people in baseball, baseball players, teams that they beat did not. So I think it's going to be an interesting year for the Astros. I think they might struggle a little bit. And in a 60-game season, if you struggle even for a week, you're done for it. It's still going to be a mess in, in the ball, no. in, the, in the clubhouse, I think. No, I think you guys are missing the whole point. I'm going the Astros because... There's not going to be fans there. This is per- This worked out perfect for the Astros, this whole situation. There's not fans there. I get a lot of the players in the league didn't forget, but what we also got to remember is the 62-game season. You know, the, the idea these guys are going to be throwing beanballs or doing anything intimidation-wise, out the window now. Yeah, you, can't, you can't take in a suspension yeah. or anything. I think this worked out perfectly. I mean, the A's... One shocked me, but I think the Astros got one more run left in. I think this worked out perfectly for but them. That people have forgotten. The fans aren't there. Do you, Do you think they're solidified as a clubhouse, though? Like, do, you don't see any any messiness there. You Please remember, can... Dusty Baker's running that team. Yeah, and like... as two people that have <laughs> been a fan of Dusty Baker franchises, hey, I'm not saying they're gonna win the series. That's the knock on Dusty, no. But I think he's, I think he's a veteran guy. I think he can, he can. Uh, Someone's gonna reach 200 innings in 60 games for Dusty. <laughs> yeah, I, I. But my point is, in 60 games, this works out for Dusty too. I think he's a veteran manager. They're gonna be fine. They're gonna get one more run in there. I got the Astros until you knock the Kings off the mountain. And I don't. I like the A's, but you know they're they're a poorer Indians team with the way they construct their teams, and I question one or two injuries in. Fangraphs has projected the division winners to be the Yankees, the Twins, and the Astros. So some agreement, some obviously large disagreement, especially in the Central. Let us know who you think is going to win. Uh, you know any of the divisions in the American League at Thirty Racket Sports on Facebook, Twitter, and now Instagram. So be sure to reach out to us on any of those platforms. Going into the National League, starting with the AL East, Zach, uh, Fangraphs projects, uh, actually, NL East, I apologize, NL East, Fangraphs actually projects a three-way tie in the NL East with the Braves, the Nationals, and the Mets. Who are you taking in this highly competitive, at least according to Fangraphs, NL East? Well, I think this is like... Make the argument probably the most competitive division, top to bottom. I'm going to go the uh, the New York Metropolitans. Um, I think again another team at the 60 games is set up perfectly. Not a ton of depth, but they got you know the big bat and Alonso, and then you got Jake Degrom. Again, 60 games shortened season. He's got to get hot for a few months. 
I'm gonna go with the Mets. I'm gonna be a contrarian there. Everybody's going with the Braves. Okay, what about you, Josh? Say everybody's going with the Braves. Uh, it's gonna be close. Yeah, this division's gonna be wild to watch. It's gonna be a fun time. But yeah, I like the Braves here. They're they're kind of my dark horse. Some might not even say a dark horse, but for a postseason run, I I really like the Braves actually. Yeah. I'm actually going to go different than both of you guys. I mean, wild division, obviously, you can tell with all three of us taking different teams. I'm going to take the Phillies. I really like some pieces in their rotation. Uh, they still have, you know, some very good players. Real Muto, obviously Bryce Harper. I think they're a team that can just put it together for a couple more games than everyone else. I really like a strong starting pitcher to lead it all up, and I really feel like the Braves are the team that doesn't that has – most question marks in their you know, uh, starting rotation, obviously. The Nationals have Scherzer, but they've lost a lot. The Mets have DeGrom, but you kind of wonder about some of those pieces coming back. And then the Phillies have Nola, and I really like Nola, and I like a lot of the pieces that they have there. So I'm going with the Phillies in the East. Going into the Central, where Fangraphs has a two-way tie between the Cubs and the Brewers, Josh, we need your totally unbiased take at who will take the NL Central. The Reds, uh, I just, I, I know you don't like the Reds, Greg. I know you don't like the Reds' chances to win the division. And even these, like, I, I don't think the Reds are going to hover around 500 like they're projected to. I just think with with the DH, with the pitching, you brought up a good point that the bullpen could get iffy. And I think that could be the Reds' downfall is that if, the bullpen, if you get into some bullpen trouble or have a bullpen injury, things could get rough. Um, but... How much are you going to need that bullpen with this starting rotation and plus all the loaded outfield hitters that you have that you can plug into the DH? I like the Reds. just They're built for the season. So my biggest issue with the Reds is I think at their best, they could potentially be the best team in the division. Like No question about it. They have some of the names. The problem that I just have is inconsistency. You look at their rotation. Gray has been up and down a couple of years. Castillo was down at the end of last year. Um... You know, Trevor Bowers really only had one good year. You look at Joey Votto, Mike Moustak has been up and down. Uh, Castellanos had a good year last year, but he's been up and down. And then obviously the bullpen is a giant question mark. Um, I'm going to go with some very good pitchers and some MVP candidates, probably three of them on the infield of one team. I'm going with the Cubs. Completely unbiased, by the oh, way. I thought you going to go with the Pirates. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> you got Rizzo, you got Baez, you got Chris Bryant. I mean... You still got some Cy Young contending pitchers in the professor, Kyle Hendricks. You got you Darvish where, you know, when he's on, he is one of the best pitchers in the game. Right. Obviously, the bullpen still has a lot of questions as well. But, uh, you know, talent really trumps all. And I think the, the biggest names on, on the team, you know, on any team in the NL Central is on the north side of Chicago with the Cubs. So I, along with... Fan graphs, going with the Cubs. How about you, Zach? I concur. I'm going to go with the Cubs as well. Uh, I like David Ross. I like that hire. Um, Great clubhouse guy. Yeah, I think it's a good clubhouse guy. Kind of steer the ship back. Last year they had the collapse. Uh, I think a lot of those guys will turn it around. You know, like you say, you still got Bryant and them there, at least for now. So I concur with Greg. But I, I agree. I think Cincinnati's right there, though. I was, yep. was going to say, we were talking AL East is looking competitive. In terms of odds to win the division, Cubs 235, Cardinals 240, and Reds just there plus 248. Those are the closest odds yeah. Um, yeah. in terms of margin to win the division. That'll be fun. From division. one of the more competitive divisions to 
What we're all going to say is one of the least competitive, probably, divisions. The NL West, where Fangraphs has the biggest margin of, uh, of victory in this division. Do to the all... L.A. Dodgers by five games. I mean... I was going to say, do we all just want to count down from three and go Dodgers? Like, I mean, it's, it's the definitely Dodgers. the Dodgers. Definitely Dodgers. Yeah. I mean, if it wasn't for the NL West, the AL, uh, AL Central would be the weakest, but yeah. the NL West is Dodgers and... I guess I'll ask else. you guys, who is the friskiest team aside of the Dodgers Ooh, in that frisky. division? Uh, who could you see doing a little bit better between... I mean, right now they have Fangraphs projects... Uh, two-way tie for second between the Padres and the Diamondbacks and then the Rockies and the Giants um, in last place. I'm going to probably go with the Padres. They have a few, yeah. they have some nice young pieces. Obviously Machado, but they have Tatis. They have a couple of young, good pitchers. I don't think they'll be great. I don't think they'll you know contend with the Dodgers, but I think you know, they'll win some games, maybe score up a season or two. I so. mean, I'm going to go D-backs. I think they have pieces there. They just lack depth, so I think if the team's going to be frisky again, we're talking in the new season of 60 games, you had Mad Bum over the hill, but still a guy who, he's a, he's a, horse. He's a gamer. Yeah, he's yeah, a horse. Like there's he's guys like battle. that, um, and then, uh, like with the Padres, they have, um, totally blanking on his name right now, third base. Machado. Machado. Machado, yeah. They've got Machado now, like, didn't have a great year last year, but if those kind of guys can yeah. put some strings together, I think both the Diamondbacks and the Padres are missing pieces. At last check, they both are uh, tied, actually, at the odds for second favorite at plus yeah. 73, or plus 733, but yeah. then the Dodgers are minus 622. Like, just, yeah, everybody knows the Dodgers, the Dodgers are going to win, but, you know, the one thing is, with this shortened season, uh, right now, you know, the Mariners are picked last in the AL West. They were, like, what, 20-2 and two through the first 22 games? Yeah, and still I mean, any of these teams so. could. I mean, you know, the Giants, maybe. Yeah, like we talked about before, someone just got yeah. to get hot. Someone you jump out to a 20-2, and two, you know, start. Yeah. What do you got? You, you can only be win, so bad, yeah. You know, another you know, yeah, 500 the rest of the way. Yeah. yeah, honestly, if you yeah, if you can find out if you can find a way to get the thirty five wins, you're yeah. I'm, I would just say definitely, and either as a wild card or as as a regular team, so exactly. as a division winner. So be sure to give us uh, your locks for division winners. That's What's it. the best division? What's the worst division too? At uh, Thirty Racket Sports. Tell us who again, you got. Facebook, who you got? Twitter, Instagram. I'm sure there'll be a poll or two up about certain divisions, maybe some divisions that. Uh, Encompass Ohio, such as the AL or NL Central, and your faith in the Indians or the Reds. I got them. Who you got? Now we're on to our season preview for baseball in Ohio, starting on the Northeast Shore with the Cleveland Indians. Zach, you said previously you expect the Indians to be the champions of the AL Central. What are your expectations for them this year? Um, you mean like how many wins? How many wins? I, many? I said last year. What did I say last year? I said 40. 40 wins. 40 and 20. Yeah, I'm calling it. Um, here's why. I think, again, I said the Twins, like I said earlier, up and down every year. We'll see. Um, and then, yeah, the White Sox, I think, did a bunch of facade Buys, but they're not. They're, there's no depth. The Indians, uh, their top three pitching, I think the four pitchers is going to be dominant. Uh, bullpen, question mark like any team, but I like Brad Hand or Brad Hand. I said Hand. Brad Hand. Yeah, Brad Hand. 
Um, and then, you know, you got like OP. Like they got, they got Oliver a decent Perez, bullpen. Yeah. Uh, but I think you got some guys who can go the distance. Um, so Shane Bieber. Right so. now, the uh, Indians have announced the top three in their rotation right. being well, Bieber, Bieber starting opening day, mm -hmm. uh, Clevenger, and yeah. then uh, Carlos Carrasco. Right, and then they actually just announced a little bit of Savale will be the uh, the four. Savale will be so four. So Plesac and Fluco. Um, and they haven't decided whether they're, they're, they're going to go five or six. They might go six. Um, yeah, last year they had Plesac starting some games, Plutko yeah. starting you know with some spot starts. Possibly out of the bullpen. I probably for any injuries would move into the One thing spot. the Indians do better, and I think no one can deny this, that they do better than anybody is develop starting pitching from nothing. Um, so I think, yeah, rotations, at the very least, top five in the league, they're going to they're gonna carry the load. Um, offensively, question marks as always. You know, the outfield, for some reason, the Indians have not been able to ever, this whole... Yeah, since the millennium, have not really had a consistent outfield. So to go um, off of that, they you know they have some solid players on the infield. Obviously, well, I think uh, the infield's Roberto Perez behind the plate, and they have a, a very high level infield. You know, Santana's probably plus as far as hitting first baseman, especially getting him on base. Uh, Lindor and Ramirez, you know, both could be MVP candidates depending on other yeah, players. Lindor MVP probably. Three all stars. Yeah, and then and Cesar then Hernandez. He's a who solid was leadoff hitter. He gets on base, can steal some bags. He's a great defender. And then Robo is one of the best catching defense, defensive catchers, and he's got some pop. Yeah. So I agree. I think the infield is a plus. Defense. There's a lot of questions right now in the starting lineup. They have, uh, you know, Franmil Reyes as kind of their DH. Who's uh, a guy who's ready to pop off? I think. Domingo Santana, Oscar Mercado, Jordan Luplo, Tyler Naquin, mm -hmm. kind of. Figuring out the four to five of them in the outfield, kind of figuring them right. out. So and Bowers is in that conversation. Bowers is in there well. as well. He plays some first base. Um, yeah, I, I really do like the team, though. I guess I think it's built for a fifty or sixty game. Sorry, um, schedule again. I think I'm a big believer in starting pitching. They have that, and I think they have enough offense that, assuming. I'm taking everything, and I always believe when I make these kind of assumptions, is I'm assuming everybody's playing at their average or above. You know what I mean? They're, they're ceiling. I think if you look at the Indians at their ceiling, they're better. They're the best team in AL Central, in my opinion. Some question marks, obviously, but um, I think they have the most depth, and they have two studs. You know, they have about three studs in the infield. So, I would agree with you as far as them being a division winner. Um, I'm a little bit less high on the on the amount of wins just because mm -hmm. the back of the, the rotation and the bullpen kind of worry me. Also mm -hmm. kind of the up and down of the outfield. But, you know, Bieber, Clevenger, and, and Cookie Carrasco are going to get some wins. The back end, I'm just worried that Tito is not going to shorten up the rotation quite quick enough. Yeah. So, I'm, I'm kind of in the, you know... That, that, that's a big wins. X factor, and I think that's fair. Uh, Francona teams always start slow. You know, the Indians have always been second half since 2013 when he came in. Um, that is an X factor, I think, uh, that, that kind of goes against them. Yeah. They're going to be able to jump right out of the bat. So that's I'm going tough. about 35. Uh, Josh is kind of the outside president, the one that doesn't really have any rooting interest in the Indians. What, what are your expectations for him? Um, yeah, I, I kind of agree with you, Greg, is that they're going to run... 75 like let's not discount the white Sox here i don't think the white Sox are gonna break out as much as people are saying but but uh, 
Are no, the Indians going to be able to hang in those series? And what I question is, is when you get into the back of that rotation against a White Sox team or a Twins team, is it going to hold up? Yeah, you've got, I mean, I think if Clevenger and Bieber can hold it down and then you have your infield stars, like if you have Ramirez and Santana and Lindor getting on base and those guys producing consistently and you have Clevenger and Bieber producing consistently, then yeah, I think you're yeah. going to be fine. But like, like take... Plesak, for example, like he had only a 19% strikeout average last year, which is pretty below the t- about 23% average that the league is on right now. So that coupled with his strikeout to walk ratio, you know, you have to have some of those guys that were like iffy last year. You have to have them bounce back if you really want to make the push. Oh, yeah. I think if those three infield stars and uh, you anchor it down with Clevenger and Bieber then I think they're going to be fine. Yeah. But I mean, I like to point out that, you know, Plesak and those guys, that's really their first full year, yeah. so you're expecting that yeah. second. But yeah, yeah, yeah that's what I'm saying. Fair. You, you are. Know. That's, I'm that's, assuming I would say, that as an step, Indians but... fan, I'm expecting that next step yeah. from those guys. And if that doesn't happen, oh, yeah. then I think They'll you get in into trouble yeah. with the White Sox and Twins series. And that's going to be so important to win those kind of series in this 60-game season. So yeah. they hit... It's a rough Positive, we get to play series. the Pirates, Tigers, and Royals. Yeah, yeah uh, you got that. Crap yeah. them, so that'll be fun. Well, going from northeast, or, uh, yeah, northeast to southwest Ohio, we're going to kick it right back over to you, Josh, being the, being the Reds fan on this podcast. Expectations for the Reds, you know, fan graphs, and they're over-under, put them at about 31 and a half wins, 31, 31 and a half. What are your expectations for this team this year? Obviously, you know, some bolsters, uh, in the, you know, all around the, the diamond with Mike Moustakis coming out, Freddy Galvis coming over to the team, Shogo Akiyama and Castellanos, and then, you know, some additions. Bauer, obviously, first full season with the team, Wade Miley. What do you think this team can be, I guess? Because there are some questions, you know, with all the new pieces, what they're going to be with the short season, but yeah, what so, do you as a Reds fan, I guess, in the most optimistic sense, expect them to be? So, so let's talk about how the team's going to mesh, because I know that's your, for you, Greg, that's your biggest question on how the team's going to mesh. And there's, in the past couple weeks, been some talk about Castellanos does not want to be the DH. He chose the Reds because there was no DH, and he was going to play outfield every day. Now, I think he should. I think David Bell has a very simple answer to one of his more albeit unfairly critiqued things of last year, um, and then this problem with Cassianos wanting to play in the outfield um, consistently. To put Cassianos in the starting lineup, don't make him the DH. You've had this platoon situation that you worked with last year between uh, Winker and Aquino and um, Phil Bourbon. Bourbon. Yeah. Um, you've got that. So use those guys, those platoon guys. Just take that whole, that whole defensive part out of that equation and use those platoon guys as your DH. Like, And I, you can still have Castellanos as like a one day a week, you know, just yeah. as just normal off day. Just say, hey, we'll put you DH when we ran. When yeah, we, you know, he'll, 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 win his, he'll win his off day. Like, a lot of these guys, I've seen so many guys in the league saying that, that have that take Castellanos does, where they just want to play and they want to start all the time. But like, take into consideration, this is fitting 60 days down into a couple months. There aren't off days anymore. Like, a guy is going to want a break now and then. So, yeah, I think you've got, with all the outfield pieces you have, you have so much room to work with with the DH there. The platoon worked well last year. 
put that in the DH, you solve all your problems there. Now the pitching, as you guys both bring up to me, is there are some questions in the bullpen, I think. I also am not, I, I'm not as super sold as most people are on the rotation, to be honest. The rotation has questions, and that's where I was going with this, yeah. is that mainly, mainly the only real concern I have is if Trevor Bauer is there or not. Now, you have to look at the additions that the Reds made to their pitching staff this year, and I would I would be extremely disappointed if all of these pitchers weren't at their the highest point of their game with the investments that the Cincinnati Reds yeah. have made in their pitching coaching staff. It would blow my mind if, if they were below par. So as long as, as long as the rotation holds up and you don't have to get into running the bullpen out there consistently, and I think David Bell hopefully learned some things from last year and his managing of the bullpen. Well, it takes time. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it takes time, of course. Um, I thought I thought David Bell got a little too much heat last year for being in his first year. Now in his second year, he has to deal with this unique situation. Right. But yeah, I'm not a, I'm not too worried about those those pieces. I have a question on uh, a player that I, I got to see a few times last year. You know, going to the Reds games uh, that I was very impressed with, just pure athleticism and pure baseball instinct. Where's Aquino at in all this? So. Akino, and you know better than me. Like I said, I saw him a few times, watched a few games. Yeah, I was very pitch. impressed with his yeah, Aquino, offensive yeah, ability. Yeah, would just go yard. Yeah. Because I think I saw him, we went back-to-back, yeah. back, and I think we saw him hit three home runs in two days. Yeah, he same. went on that crazy tear at yeah. the end of the last year. Now, keep in mind, that's something that like that's something that happens when especially when he came up in like the dog days of the season yeah, last year. Yeah. And when a rookie comes up, no one's figured him out yet. Right. He can be able to get out. He carries his momentum. No one's figured him out yet. He's allowed to go on that tear. And they, his nickname is the Punisher, and he got that in minor league because he can go yard. Oh, yeah. Now, since then, there has been a little bit of decline with him, mm-hmm. and in spring, spring training, things weren't great. Weren't things great, weren't yeah. up to par. Um, do I believe he can get back to that? Absolutely. But he, I guess what I was going to say, he's not really in the plans right he's, now. He's though. right now not in the plans. Is he in, in uh, Mason? Yeah, he's up in Mason no. at Prasco Park in there, yeah. their alternate. Um, so is a fan favorite from last year who was one of the one of two that tested positive. Derek Dietrich uh, did have the coronavirus, so he stayed in Arizona. He is now back with the team in Mason. Both of those guys, you know, have some power to them, but, like, Got, you got to get your mechanics and fundamentals. Oh, yeah, down, yeah. Especially Dietrich now that he's You got to be able to make adjustments. Right. You have to be able to make adjustments. I think that's the big thing with the Kino is just he's getting, a young kid. Yeah, he's a young time, kid. Yeah. You got to learn to make adjustments. When you make adjustments and you're fine tuning that much, mm-hmm. things can get a little out of whack. Same thing with pitchers. pitchers. And I think that's my biggest problem with the Reds. It's not that I, I don't trust them at their highest level, but I feel like there's too many questions. You know, you can go down almost through the entire roster and you can go, well, Sonny Gray was really bad in New York. Maybe he's just good with a little less. Not I think that pressure. was part of it. Was uh, yeah. got, he said that, that yeah, the spotlight, yeah. not being in the spotlight of the pinstripes has helped yeah. him. Yeah, you got Castillo, who was, you know, has struggled in the second half of seasons, but you know, with the shortened season, maybe he's better. Bauer, you know, kind of a, a one-year wonder. You got Vada, who's had a couple of years, you know, down as he's gotten older. Mustak is also getting older. Um, it was a guy who saw Mustakis for Kansas City for yeah, it's with years. seven years or something. I, I, I like the signing, uh, but he definitely, after they yeah. won the World Series, has trailed off since yeah. was that 15. But that's the thing, is you have so you many look off, at, uh, options offensively. Oh, no, I agree. I think also, you look at, you look at 
look at outfield. the outfield, and like I don't really, you know, Akiyama's obviously in his first year from Japan, so you don't really know. Senzel, it was a rookie last year, so you hope to have him take his next step, but you still, you know, you're well, still Winker. You got a lot about, of young guys who are Winker still is a guy. Winker is a guy that I just I don't trust because he's been decent for like little stretches, but it's been so mediocre. I don't see a lot he's of people are picking. A lot of people are picking picking Winker as like the Reds' dark horse guy. Like really, I haven't seen it. Um, yeah. I feel like he's a very I, talented kid who doesn't have. A I will say in their in their in, intra squad scrimmages, he's taken the ball deep a couple of times. But you have to look for that consistency, and that's yeah. why I think that's Winker why he's had good works weeks. in the platoon. Yeah, he's had good weeks, but. And then, obviously, I think Castellanos is, is a good ad. See, I yeah. mean, normally, My biggest worry, though, is the bullpen. Because, yeah. as you know, we all live in Cincinnati. We've all been to a ton of Reds games. Yeah. I've seen Iglesias blow so many <laughs> Iglesias is a huge uh, As Lorenzen is a good hitter, but, you know, he can be up and down as a pitcher. As a Cubs fan, we don't I've, have to seen, worry about that I've seen Pedro Stroke. Pedro Stroke's a big question mark. Pedro Stroke is a guy. Great. He could be great. He could be the best pitcher in your bullpen, or he could be like a six ERA guy. And then you got, you know, Garrett, who's pretty solid. I would say Garrett's probably the most solid pitcher that you have. Yeah. And then you have like a few guys like Stevenson and and Malley, where you're like, could be good, could be mediocre. And I think the only issue that I have with picking the Reds to be a wild card team, could you look at them on paper and you go, this is a good team. Is I think, every position I see I'm a fan marks. of the Reds contracting to four. I think Descafani is better in the bullpen. Um, right, I think I'm listed as a fifth starter. I think you put him in the bullpen. I think he's had some success there. Uh, I like. I mean, I don't mind this, the rotation. I think it's a. I never get too much credit for it. It's solid. It's a good rotation. I think I think the Reds. But Bauer, again, Bauer's your four year guy. Too many to throw too many pitches and six. I innings. think the Reds are much Wayne like Miley's much like the White Sox are one of those teams that really made a lot of moves in the off season. Maybe and almost like just, I think they're more like the A's, where they are kind of a lower salary team that yeah. has some good players, has a few like like a Chris Davis or Max Chapman, especially Max Chapman versus Eugenio Suarez. They have some players that can bop. They have some pitchers that could be really good when they're on, but it's just a question of are they going to be on? And right. in such a short season, if you have two down weeks like the Reds had to start last season, if you have a right. three and ten two weeks, you're screwed. Yeah, that's that's the thing is that you can't get into those holes, and I think that's what people like like the A's, the Reds, the White Sox, all these teams that. Everything on paper seems like it's great, but no one's seen it yet. So everyone's right. just like, all right, like, is it going to work? And is it going to work in a shortened sprint to the finish? Exactly. So I don't know. Yeah. Like, I don't know. So, like, what's your guys' bottom line for the Indians and Reds? To, bottom line, I've been saying 40 wins, and honestly, it's just, it's, I'm trying to catch up with this 60 game thing. Oh, man, that's probably a bit high. I think it's, they're a division winner, I think 37, probably. Pretty legit. Reds, I like the Reds. I'm going to give the Cubs 36. I'm going to say the Reds be like 34. So for the Indians, I so think... So a wild card team, in my opinion. I think the Indians are a 35-win team, but I think at their lowest point, they're going to be a 27-win team. Well, they have a bottom. Like just, yeah, just yeah, because they, they, they start be super slow. This could be bad. 25 to 27 wins. Yeah. You know, I think the Reds are a team that could top out, you know, 30... Five thirty-six wins and could win the division, you know, just because there are four teams that are solid, depending on right. how everyone starts. But they're once again a team that, you know, if 
we get second half Castillo, if we get off Bauer, if we get bad Votto, they could be a pretty bad team. As you saw at the beginning of last year, but yeah. they started like 4-16. and Now, yeah. I would expect them once again to bottom out 24-25 wins, but they're really a team. They're probably them and, the, like you said, the White Sox are probably two of the teams that I could see the biggest, you know, Standard deviation. Right. I think both off. these teams because they could be a team that could absolutely kill people with that offense if that rotation, if that right. offense and that rotation is humming. They could be a team that wins a three-game series by you know twenty runs over three games, and they could lose one because their pitchers just you know yeah. fart out and then no one's hitting. I yeah. think both these teams could be extremely fun to watch and also extremely. Frustrating. Frustrating. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Like when you're banging your head, like they lost one and nothing, but they left eleven runners on base. Or yeah, something. and Crazy I think crap that's like that. the you're one like, thing ah. that's so interesting about a sixty-game season. Yeah, you look at everybody, and you like you at the All-Star break. Yeah. At the All-Star break last year, the Pirates were like one of the like mm-hmm. two worst teams in the National League. They were in second place at the All-Star break. That's what I mean. Yeah, yeah. and that's, yeah. that's yeah. what I kept yeah. saying earlier. I was like, you don't know what you're going mean, to get. The yeah. Royals could make a run. Right. I doubt it. Like, my bottom it. line is pretty much, yeah, what you were saying, Zach, is like I see both those these teams can hit. I think the Indians have a bit of a higher ceiling than the Reds do. Maybe not, though, because if that offense just tears up the whole time, yeah. I could see both of those teams hitting 38 to 40 wins. I oh, think yeah, the yeah, only yeah. thing But that then I, I could have... also see them both hitting, like, 20 to 25 wins. The right. only thing exactly. that I have yeah, difference. Not I want to lean towards the ceiling. That's what I, I go to the know. ceiling. Yeah, but you don't. I... The only difference that I have between the two teams, why I think the Indians have a higher ceiling, is it's the 40-20 split. They're all playing the same teams, the Indians and the Reds. But the Indians is the AL Central, where you have yeah. two non-competitive yeah. teams, you have the White Sox that could be worse. And then the White Sox you know, could be great or bad. Yeah, could be good or bad. And then in the NL Central, you have four teams that you could realistically see win the And division. the Pirates, I still think, are the frisky. The Pirates are... I still think they're frisky. I think yeah, that's but I, I don't Sox see them winning the division. No, no, they'll be but last. I see them being frisky. Yeah. They're better, they're better than, the, than the, the Tigers, is my oh, point. Oh, yeah. yeah. They're yeah. not... Right. The Pirates, you could see going, yeah. you know... 50 and 4. They could take 2 and 3 from you. The yeah. Tigers, if they take 2 or 3 from you, I don't know. Your manager yeah. should probably be fired. Yeah, uh, I'm, looking forward, the I'm looking forward to the Reds versus Tigers. The Thank Tigers, you, or, you know, the the Pirates you could see winning 25 games yeah, or something like that. Yeah, like a few games. And that's the problem. I think it's yeah. just going to be a good week is going to separate the difference between oh, yeah. the Cubs, yeah. Reds, Cardinals, and Brewers. Because... All of them have, you know, that top. You have Chris Bryant, Anthony Rizzo. You have Suarez and Votto. You have Goldschmidt on the Cardinals, and a few other. You know, you have like Jose Martinez and Ozuna, and then you have Yelich, right. who's an MVP yeah. candidate on the Brewers. It's going so to be you tight. have a lot of those top end players, and it's just going to be one week. And you could be like, well, I think the Cubs are going to win. They can end up at twenty eight wins. Yeah. You can yeah. see the Reds win. They can end up at twenty five wins. You make it's a just great one point. Week. When you only have 60 games. You make a great point. Like, one week could destroy you, but that's it's going to be fun about this season. It's, it's gonna just going to be a wild sprint of baseball. Like it's going to be great. Sprint at the end, and the trade deadline will be very interesting. We'll yeah. see where that... It'll be a fun season. Yeah. Well, we're going to get into our division winners in just a second, but let us know at 30 Racket Sports on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Who do you think is going to outperform in Ohio? Do you think the Indians are going to have the better record with the... 
you know, easier schedule? Do you think all the Reds' talent comes to the, you know, cream of the crop and they get the better record? Let us know. 30 Rack Sports, Facebook, Twitter, and now Instagram. And now, Zach's reciting of the con. Stardust to Stardust Imperial IPA is a dry hopped with Comet, Apollo, and Galaxy hops. This 8.8% double IPA blends bitterness with notes of pineapple, citrus, and mango. That would make any star man proud. Just a little more info on North High Brewing. Uh, obviously an independent brewery started in 2011. They have been expanding their brewing facility every year, consistently brewing over 30 different beers, and now offering a growing list of canned beer. You can find our beer all over Ohio. Look for us on tap at your favorite neighborhood bar or cans in your local grocery store. Like this beautiful can right here. It's a very sleek can. It's got Star Wars. They have a ton of cool cans and artwork. I just like looking at their website. The can's pretty sweet. beers and breweries we had on the show before we went to break uh mommy bay up in toledo oh shout out mommy bay that was a great that, stout. Was, that was a great yeah. stout and uh it's it's back uh mommy bay is doing uh christmas in july thing so right now you can get that winter warmer on a full 16 percent uh for a christmas in july winter warmer if you're feeling a 16 percent winter warmer in july about it about it we certainly don't need that for a show it's called uber blitzen Mm. uh other really cool collaboration that's going on uh this is a three-way collaboration uh we're all about three a menage a trois they might say yeah Cincinnati, we're all about three ways call call it what you want but uh wolf's ridge brewing in columbus Listerman Brewing in Cincinnati. Shout out Norhood. Outside Ohio, Bloomington, Illinois, Little Beaver Brewing. They've all come Wait, together. Wait, what? Little Beaver Brewing? Uh, uh, not, no, no comments on that. Thank hold, you. Hold, hold. Uh, they've all come together to do a three-way collaboration on a cereal beer that's a take on a peanut butter crunch. It is an imperial stout infused with roasted peanuts, vanilla, cinnamon, lactose, and dark brown sugar with sea salt. It has the best name ever, Man Bear Wolf. Man Bear Wolf. Are you super cereal about that? I'm super cereal super about cereal. this super Josh, I wanna say is, cereal beer. Josh, I want to you have the bushiest beaver. Thanks, man. Look, if there's it. one thing that I know from you, is I that if there's that. a beer that's a three-way coming from Little Beaver and it's Man Bear Wolf, I'm all in for that. I mean, there's nothing yeah, not to hate. That's a that. dope name. Yeah. Uh, and then one of my favorite local beers, uh, I really love Matry's Kolsch. Um, they're doing a gin barrel aged version of that called June. Um, apparently they've done it before. I don't think I've ever seen it, but I'm excited to try it. Uh, it's called June. It'll be hitting stores here in a second. Uh, that's what's brewing in Ohio. Also a shout out to our pod partner of the week, 
Critics, not cynics. They are a uh, podcast based out of Cincinnati. And uh, I don't know if you saw our Twitter feed. Someone was, I think Zach was putting some stuff out about uh, some horror films and ever. If you guys are into the horror film scene, hit, hit Zach up at 30 Rack of Sports on social media. Or check out the Critics Not Cynics podcast. Uh, they're on Twitter, Critics Not Cynics. Uh, and they're available at what, Apple Podcasts. You said they do like a lot of like horror, like movie, yeah, horror film, movie. They do stuff. yeah, a lot of movie reviews. Yeah. So if you're into that like yeah. deep underground horror stuff Definitely. and uh, pop culture well. stuff, they're they're you guys. Critics, not cynics. Wait, are people watch our partner of the week. People watch TV that's not sports. People do watch TV. That's not sports. Yeah. Yes, majority yeah. of normal Americans do. Yeah. You know, that's it's normal Americans. Well it's going to be that time of the year. So that's our pod partner of the week. That's what's brewing in Ohio. Critics, not cynics. I love that name. That's a great name. That is a great name. Welcome into the Six Pack of Stats, where I've got six stats from the sports and beer world to give to you guys. It's a little redundant. Well, I guess sports and beer, yeah, they pretty much go to bed. Go together. No, you said I have a six pack of stats. That's six stats. Well, that's what it is. It's the first time we've done this. Thing. So, yeah, we got to explain it to the people. We don't want there to be any confusion. All right. Maybe a six-pack of stats has 12 stats. I don't Come even on. know. First stat is three. Thursday was just the third time since FC Cincinnati joined the MLS that both Ohio teams won on the same match week. It is the first time since early May of 2019 that both the Columbus crew and FC Cincinnati won on the same match week, with uh, FC Cincinnati beating Atlanta and the crew taking care of New York Red Bulls. Some of that. So, Some of that. four on out for the Ohio teams. Lots of happiness in Ohio soccer what land that, right What now. does that mean? Oh, we'll get to that later. I don't know. 39. It has been... <laughs> it has been 39 years since the last time a completed MLB season has had less than 162 games. So there was the strike in 94, but they didn't right. complete the season. Uh, there was a mid-season strike in 1981 that split the season into two halves with teams playing an uneven amount of games. Teams had between 103 and 109 games total. So hmm. this year, only 60. That year, 103 to 109 games. Wasn't a poor year. Never mind. Maybe I'm just saying. I for some reason thought the 95 season started late. But I guess they still played the full season. Yeah, they, they, yeah, they, they, they started three weeks late, but, but still, still put the whole 162 yeah. games in, yeah. The next one, one for you, Josh. 560. The best on-base percentage stretch, or, or the best on-base percentage over a 60-game stretch in the last decade. Held by one, Joey Votto. Yeah. Between uh, July 18th and September 21st, 2015, where he had a 48-game on-base streak and had a 560 OBP during that stretch. Yeah. So, for someone looking for some potential uh, records here, that's the best in the last decade. The best all-time, though, I'm sure most of you can take a guess. Barry Bonds, of course, when he was Whoa. getting walked every other time, had a 613. OBP over he got locked with the 60 bases games. Loaded. Oh, yeah. That was my favorite. 60 games in 04, he got on base over 61% of the time. Oh, that's absurd. Which is, they were mm. 
You had to feel like the baddest man on the planet when a team was like, we'll give you the run. Love, we're just going to go yeah, ahead and stick you I on love first. watching I love that, that video because they walk him and the whole crowd just going nuts mm-hmm. because it's just like, he's that You'll good. You'll never see a hitter he's like that, that again. That I'm just... Yeah. It. And it's just again. like, you know what? The Rather chances are run than the Grand Slam. There's, oh, a, yeah. there's a better chance that he'll drive in more than one run oh, if yeah. you actually pitch to him. And oh, think about that. With every with every hitter, most hitters, they get up 70% of the time. So you can think about how good of a hitter he was. But they didn't even want to think about it. Because there was a decent chance that he was going to smack the ball right out of the yard. Exactly. And put a four spot on the board. The next stat is seven. Seven is the largest ever margin of victory at the Memorial Tournament happening this weekend in Dublin, Ohio. Any idea who might have had the largest margin of victory all time in the Memorial Tournament? It's really obvious. Is, is it a one uh, Tiger Woods? It is one Tiger Woods. Oh. In 2001, he finished at minus 17, which was a seven-stroke win on his way to his third straight and the third out of his four total uh, Memorial Tournament titles. Uh, coming into Sunday, as we're recording, John Rahm currently has a four-shot lead, so potential to make history there. Next, uh, the fifth of our six-pack of stats is 27. It has been 27 years since a Canadian team has lifted the Stanley Cup with the Stanley Cup playoffs starting in just a couple weeks here. Uh, Montreal won the Stanley Cup in 1993. And since then, no Canadian team has lifted the Stanley Cup. Although this year, both playoff hubs in Canada and six of the seven Canadian teams qualifying for at least the qualifying, or qualifying at least could the happen. qualifying round. It could happen. Some in the round robin already mm-hmm. qualified for the playoffs round. Including Toronto that faces uh, the hometown Columbus Blue Jackets uh, starting August 2nd. The I last, thought you were, I thought you were going to say 27, and I was going to be like, number of outs in a baseball game. They, I mean, <laughs> also true. Good guess. Also <laughs> true. If, if there were any Yankees fans here, they'd probably think something else, but we're going to gloss over that right now. <laughs> the last one, going from the sports world to the beer world, 67.5%, which is the alcohol by volume of the world's strongest beer, called Snake Venom. Ooh. By Scottish Brewery Boy. Brewmeister. If you want to put that into proof, such as like a vodka or any kind of liquor, tequila, that would be 135 proof. <laughs> it is brewed with a one-two punch provided by beer and champagne yeasts and has chocolate and peat smoked malts, which are freeze-concentrated several times during the brewing process, which apparently jacks up the alcohol content. If you find your find your way to Scotland to Brewmeister, you can purchase a 275 milliliter bottle, which is about nine ounces for us on the Imperial system, for about eighty dollars. So, so check us out next week when we drink snake venom. <laughs> uh, who's gonna pay for the air shipping? Is that you? Uh, uh, yeah, I would do it, but that's gotta be like a Saturday show because there's no way anybody's, anybody's leaving here that night. Mm-hmm. Thank goodness I have the air mattress and the and the couch around here, so. Ugh. If any of you have ever tried snake venom and want to give us your your look on it or your review of it, or if you want to give us your thoughts on any of these stats or any big stats that you have for what's going on at this time in the world, 
especially in Ohio. Feel free to reach out at 30 Racket Sports on Facebook, Twitter, and now Instagram. Instagram. So, uh, Greg, we had a lot of uh, a lot of stuff go on here in Ohio this week. Ohio and across the country. We have our biggest headlines of the week where we break down this last week in sports, not just in Ohio, but across the country. Zach, we'll start with you. What is your biggest headline of the week? Uh, my big headline was the, uh, the Canadian government announced yesterday that the Blue Jays will not be allowed to play. Oh, yes, yes, the Blue Jays, yes. Yeah, what did you think I said? I thought you were going with the Maple Leafs thing. No, no. Okay. Oh, yeah. Me Maple Leafs are going to get hockey. their butt kicked. Me and hockey, it's just much It's about me and I. Yeah, the Canadian government announced that the Blue Jays will not be allowed to play in Toronto. Yeah, their big thought was the Blue Jays having their you know preseason in Toronto is fine, but having you know American teams come in and out, having right. the Blue Jays go to the U.S., where obviously coronavirus is rampant in this country, back and forth, would be an issue. So they said, Blue Jays, nah. Uh, so right now, I believe their two choice. Right now, their two oh, biggest yeah, options are Dundee, Florida, where their A team plays. I believe their high A team plays. And then Ooh. Buffalo, where their triple-A team plays. Play in Toledo, or like Ohio, it's right across the uh, Lake Erie. That'd be baller. And I know the one issue that they have, obviously Florida has the high coronavirus rate, super high, and Buffalo does not have lights up to major league standards, so. That's what I mean. Why not just Play in cross Ohio. the border? I mean, go over through- uh, Ohio is their closest. Through Windsor, into Detroit, and then just Take 75 down to Toledo. Well, they could take the ferry from Toronto across Lake Erie to Cleveland. It's literally across the lake. Toronto is on the other side of Lake Erie. You could take a ferry there. Just take it right over. Ferry to Cleveland or Toledo. I mean, they could play Lake County, Akron. Yeah. It'd be way cool. It'd be cool. I mean, not that it really matters at the end of the day because we can't go. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's the thing. It's just like, do it in Toledo. Like, who cares? Mm -hmm. Like, Toledo's the got a nice... aren't using yeah. their Here's facility. the thing. You have... I understand they wanted to do want to do it in their affiliates, but there are so many triple A, double A, whatever A teams in the you know Ohio, northeast, a, midwest wow, part of the country. Uh, yeah. You know, you look at even Ohio you know, even Ohio you have Lake County, you can play Dayton, Dayton, Toledo, the Dragons Dayton, are playing the Columbus. Ballpark. Yeah, they, Columbus has fun. such a pretty ball. They do. Heights at Park's amazing. They got a ton of ballpark options. Like an hour ferry ride across Lake Erie. Well, and honestly, like an hour or two plane ride. Yeah. It's like, you know, if you don't have Toronto, which is where, you know, most of the you know families are living and whatnot during the season, you might as well find the best ballpark within like an hour or two plane ride. That's my point, yeah. Makes perfect sense. So, I think Ohio has some solid choices. I just think it's going to be interesting because... The, the Canadian government literally waited a week, or, you know, some teams are on Thursday, but yeah. everybody else is starting on Friday. They waited a week I think they, I think before the Blue opening Jays day have, to be like, nah. Yeah, is that the insane to you? No, that's two weeks, crazy, yeah. yeah. Two weeks before their home opener, and then the, the but government's But still, but I mean, like, you know. My thing is, is like, if, I feel like it was a pretty black and white decision, and you've known yeah. for a while now. They've been up there. They've been 
Right, yeah, they've been there. Like, I just don't understand. And then they're along the hockey hubs there, which is, that's okay, but for some reason, I well, mean, I get it, I get it. You got more, there, there's a hub, they're all staying yeah, there, you got teams coming back and forth, I get yeah, it. Yeah, the bubbles are a little different from yeah, what the I get it, is doing, but, but like, I just don't understand I think, why it I don't know so why they didn't give decision. them more of a heads up, like, nah, this isn't gonna See, work. because I was thinking that. about that, like, when they first showed up. I think, obviously, they have, I think they have more, like, two weeks because they have, I think they have a week on the road, but yeah. it's like, you should have made this decision at least a week ago. Oh, yeah. Give them time to I agree, out. I agree. So, yeah, they're, they're scrambling. I'm just saying because uh, the president of the Blue Jays, Mike Shapiro, who was the previous Indians general manager, has familiarity with Ohio. Makes perfect sense. They got all these amazingly beautiful state-of-the-art minor league ballparks. That yeah. Any major league team have, with no fans involved. Yeah. If you have a place like Columbus, one, you know, Columbus or Lake County, you can get the travels pretty close to all the... You know, I think Columbus is perfect. Part. It's a big city. They got the nice hotels the players yeah. can stay at, and then they got the beautiful and ballpark downtown. The, the ballpark is definitely up oh, to major league yeah, standards yeah. as far as lighting and everything. Oh, so. yeah. We'll see. Our That's choice, just interesting. Shapiro from 30 Rack of Sports. Marky Mark. Playing Columbus. Columbus, boy. Huntington Columbus. Park. Do it. Beautiful. Or Dayton. Or Dayton. Or Dayton. All righty. Over to you, Josh. What is your biggest headline of the week? Um, I guess my biggest headline of the week, Greg, is uh, I was really looking forward to Tiger Woods returning mm-hmm. to the PGA Tour amidst the, the COVID playing yeah. of the tour. And uh, Tiger's been at a course that he is uh, traditionally very good at. Four wins. Four. Well, I thought it was five wins. It's five. Well, it's four wins at the Memorial, five wins total of the course. Okay, yeah. Uh, yeah, okay. There, yeah, you're right. Um, but yeah, I mean, he Tiger loves that course. But yeah, I do think, and it brings up the big question that everyone's been talking golf is now that the majors are in the fall, and now that you have like the Masters in the fall, how is a guy at Tiger's age going to respond to playing golf in colder conditions? I guess. You know, yeah, like, especially with all of his muscles stiffening up the back. Yeah, like a guy with like sti- prone to stiff muscles and everything. I don't want to call Tiger an old man, but you're not the champion that He's you used to be. You know, yeah, you are an old man. And sorry, you old folks out there, like you just don't play as well when it's cold. No. Like I, young guy like myself, don't doesn't play well no. when it's cold. Ball it's, doesn't it's, fly quite as well. Ball doesn't fly quite as well. It's it's different. It really is a different atmosphere. But yeah, I mean, Tiger it definitely hit bumps in each of his rounds. Um, that first round was okay, but yeah, those, these past two, and then I'm not sure what he's done today as we've been recording all day, and then they've been in a weather delay. But at the time of this recording, Tiger Woods does not have a chance to win the tournament. Tiger I was, was 17 back. Yeah, like, I, I was just disappointed, and it makes me concerned for Tiger the rest of the way of this delayed golf season and everything. And I normally wouldn't be so... Like, concerned about Tiger Woods. Yeah, because Tiger's so up and down, especially in his older age. Yeah, like, I normally wouldn't be so concerned for Tiger Woods. I mean, I'm concerned for golf that we can't seem to find a consistent group of golfers. Yeah. But because, like, part of this, like, part of it has been entertaining. Like, last week at the Charity Open in Dublin, we had the playoff and everything, and that was a great playoff that saw we saw Moriaka won. 
Um, the only problem was it wasn't on TV because they had to change it due to the weather. So yeah, golf shooting themselves in the I foot think, again. But but yeah, I mean everyone wants to see Tiger return because he's on the cusp. He's tied with Sam Snead for most PGA Tour wins all time. He'll I don't get think that. I don't think he gets the major uh, record no. to, to beat Nicholas. But I think I'll give him one more. I'll give him one yeah, more. Yeah, like everyone That's wants a to see because that guy should have twenty something. Yeah, but everyone wants to see him just get the next PGA Tour win because that would put yeah. him as the all-time leader for He'll PGA Tour it. wins. I thought, I thought at the memorial at a course that he loves at the Murrayfield Village in Dublin, Ohio, I thought we would but get he it. He hasn't yeah. played. It's a, he hasn't yeah. played it's hard. Also, yeah. coming mean, back, coming back in these t- in these times. It's difficult. You saw inconsistent Tiger. You saw some great Tiger shots, but you just saw some shots where you're like. This putting, this putting is definitely not what it used to be. Yeah, no, definitely not. No. So that, you, Greg. So that's something to look forward to. Uh, as far as my biggest headline, Let's I would get the Washington thing. Yeah. Okay. All right, Greg. What's uh, yours? For my biggest headline of the week, I'm gonna stay in Ohio with the rest of these headlines and go to the, one of the sports that's been starting up already in the states. The one sport that's kind of held us over till baseball and basketball and everything else started. It's going to soccer. Yeah. And it's the play of both the Ohio teams. I mean, especially, you know, I'm wearing all my crew gear today, but the crew have, you know, been one of the most impressive teams in the tournament, already clinching their way into the second round, and then FC Cincinnati having a chance to get their way into the second round. You know, being the first sport back, you know, with the NWSL, which has been a fun tournament, and then the MLS having their MLS's back tournament. It's been cool, you know, watching, being able to flip on the TV at nine in the morning mm-hmm. and watch soccer yeah. has been awesome. Being able to stay up late at night when, you know, as someone that mostly just watches sports, having the crew to watch has been great. And to see, you know, though I'm obviously not an FC Cincinnati fan, being able to see the Ohio teams do well, because even if they're your rival, you're like, hey, I want to see them get somewhere so we can right. beat them and crush their hearts. Right. Yeah. Being able to see the Ohio teams do well and, you know, being able to kind of see the representation and see, honestly, both of the teams kind of outperform what they thought because no one really thought anything of FC Cincinnati with all the turmoil that they've had, able to get a win, have a possibility to get into the knockout round, and then the crew being one of the most complete teams throughout the tournament has been just an absolute... Tr- like, I've had a blast watching them, and I'm sure... Throughout the entire tournament, I think you've had a blast watching. And obviously, the crew FC Cincinnati game hasn't been great. But yeah. aside of that, it's been really fun to watch, Josh. Yeah, no, I mean, we had, we just had, uh, we thankfully, it was a random drawing, but we had, like, the two L.A. teams. We just had the El Trafico matchup the other night. That was great. I mean, so many of these MLS games have been fantastic. Like, they've been chippy matches. The, they've the, been close. Uh, We've seen some incredible goals, like, They've been great, man. Yeah, San Jose came back from down 3 that nothing to win 4-3 in overtime. That game was incredible. There's been some red cards. There was a, a D.C. United game where they were down 2 nothing, had a red card, able to come back and tie it. I mean, just it's fun like, games across the board, and you wonder without the fans whether the energy would be the same. Well, that's what you – normally you have to, like, champion the league for getting it off, but you just got to give it to these players, man, because they have been going – I was wondering, and a lot of people were wondering on – across all sports on this shortened season, how much are the players going to give into it? These players have been going hard in this tournament. Zach, as the it. non-soccer fan in here, what, what have you thought well, about that's, it? I, I saw something. Uh, 
as a non-soccer fan. I mean, where's where's uh, Cincinnati? I, I did see the other day, and I was looking. They won one nothing so, yeah. against Atlanta. I mean, where does that put them? I know Columbus. People Columbus are saying they're in. probably the best team right now. Columbus is in, they're and Columbus in, is looked, the knockout round, right? They're in the yeah, knockout. Yeah, Columbus has clinched the next yeah. stage, and Columbus has looked just incredible. Um, and then. FC Cincinnati, while they haven't looked great, you have to give them credit as a team that most people were like, they're done and out. Never they're going to go 0-3. But I mean, they where they at now? So basically, we've got, well, for, our group, for our group, we've got Tuesday night, uh, Crew will play the Red Bulls. No, Crew, crew, crew play will play Atlanta. United, excuse me. That game is more for Atlanta, who needs Didn't to win. Didn't they already win. beat Atlanta? Yeah, FC Cincinnati did. So basically, in the MLS tournament, the all the ones and two finishers in all the group get through to the knockout round. Crews right. already clinched that. So right now, for FC Cincinnati versus the Red Bulls, if they win, they're 100% in. If they tie or if they lose, well, probably if they lose, they're out because of their goal differential. But if they tie, then they have a possibility because I believe uh, four of the six top finishers at third in their group get into the knockout. Four of the six third place teams get into the knockout. So the top 16 teams get so in. So they're still So this win for was huge for FC Cincinnati. Yes. And they have an opportunity to get into the knockout so, yeah. round. And they were a team that, you know, most team, most people going into the tournament picked the Red Bulls in Atlanta. And you have a very good chance if FC Cincinnati can put together a good game to have both the Ohio teams who no one expected to go through go through into the knockout round. And Columbus has looked like one of the top three teams in the tournament. And FC Cincinnati has looked really ugly at times, but was able to figure it out against Atlanta. And if they can just put together a good performance, I feel like yeah. as the games have gone on, they've started to figure out yeah. things. You know, a new coach, so many new players. They're definitely scrappy. So, yeah, Tuesday night... Atlanta, who, no, I don't think anybody expected in this group, Atlanta United to have zero points. Um, yeah, they yeah. lost their, they lost their, their well, MVP, top striker. They're supposed to be a good team, right? Yeah, yeah they, 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 the, they, they lost won the Jose, MLS Cup two years ago. Okay. Jose Martinez is out right now, and yeah, he's league MVP, their top player and everything. Um, but they're still a very dangerous team, and I, yeah, I think some of the management decisions there are plaguing them right now. So let's, but so Tuesday night, you've got Crew versus Atlanta, and then Wednesday night will be the big decision game in our group where, you, where you'll have FC Cincinnati versus the New York Red Bulls, which club history is not good for Cincinnati there against the Red Bulls club. Um, but if they can at least get a point and we see what happens around the rest of the league, then yeah, I mean... Nobody was expecting both the Ohio squads to, to be the ones that make it out. Going, going into the Atlanta game, I think people would have expected about a 10% chance that Cincinnati would have won. Okay. Going into this game, maybe 35% chance. Yeah. There's yeah. probably 45% chance they get a result. Yeah. And that would be great for them to at least get into the knockout round. They guarantee another game after that, so like everybody's guaranteed three games kind of deal. Yeah, it's a round robin, so everyone gets three games. And then if this is so this is this week is the third game, so it's decision week in the MLS and we'll see what happens. Columbus has already clinched. They're on Tuesday night. FC Cincinnati versus New York Red Bulls will be the big game Wednesday night. Yeah, so if they don't win then then you're looking at consolation round because they're counting it as part of the regular season, but it's a big game for FC Cincinnati just as a team that has had some struggles at the beginning of their first year, some turmoil with, you know, the Ranyan situation. And they're just a team that 
you know, even as a Columbus fan, you want your rival to be good. Oh, just yeah. For, just for the fun of it. Unless you're an Ohio State fan. They're a team that that will never happen. You want to see them start to get things in the right gear because you see you see them at certain points in their season start to get a little momentum and then there's a big step back. Yeah. And you would love to see them even if they just got into the knockout round. It would be such a big boost mm-hmm. for their fandom, especially after some of the losses they took last year and the pretty brutal loss they took to Columbus in the first week. So the yeah. knockout round. Um, this people, I, I understand that. I just know it's assume it's the same as FIFA World yeah. Cup, but explain that to people who don't. So yeah, basically what you have is so Nashville and Chicago are, or excuse me, Nashville and Dallas were moved out of the tournament because they had a large amount of COVID nineteen mm-hmm. positive tests. So they're out, and there was some restructuring within the groups. But basically, you had groups like you would for a World Cup thing, yeah, round robin style, yeah. and now. Those that 16 make it out of that, and you go into a traditional it's, it's round a of traditional 16 bracket. Yeah, now. you're traditional. One out. One, yeah, yeah yep. one nope. game. Yep. No aggregate. No, one no, uh, no ties. They'll do the extra time and everything. So what you do is basically all the first and second team, all the first and second place teams uh, get in. Group. Yeah. Right in so that's... you got your six groups. So you got 12 Winter teams, home at that point. and then you got your four third place teams. So you have 16 teams make it in, and then you'll just have the single elimination games after that. But obviously this is for seeding and for getting in, so you'll see mm-hmm. Columbus will probably be, especially with their goal differential, probably the one or the two seed. Cincinnati might have to squeak in, but it would be awesome to see them, you know, see a team that you care about play more meaningful games. That's yeah. really all you want to see, you know, playoff games, exactly. meaningful games. Even if it's just a little one-year fun tournament, if you can see your team progress well, then it gives you hope for 2021 and 2022. It's like, hey, we have the pieces to be great. We just have to put it together. One last thing. Like I said, I read people are saying the crew's the best. But I get they're in. They got a legit shot, whatever. Um, Josh, or both of you, you know, where, where, where's Cincinnati? I get that. They have a shot. Where, I mean, we still think it's a long shot. Cincinnati, they gotta... Cincinnati needs to. So we came out in a different formation this last time. We ran the 3-5-2. Personally, I'm mm-hmm. not a huge fan of the 3-5-2, but I, definitely for FC Cincinnati, I think it... It worked. It didn't work, but, like, yeah. right now, there's so many personnel issues on the squad. Right now, I think that's what best works. I think uh, the wingbacks situation uh, worked, especially with Gutman over Garza, worked really well. So for FC Cincinnati to make it in, they really need to defend well, and they really, really need to counter better. They need a guy to take control of the offense. Whether Locadia, who is our striker, who's still dealing with a thigh injury in his day-to-day, whether he comes back or whether... Uh, Yuya Kubo or Adrian Regaton steps up. Someone needs to take control of that offense. If you can have a good defensive game and someone step up on offense, then FC Cincinnati can make it through, I think. I think really looking at FC Cincinnati and, and, you know, the crew is obviously a solid team after taking a down, kind of a down year last year and really solidifying their team this year. I think the one problem with FCC is they're a team that kind of went to the valley at the beginning of of their first MLS season. It's kind of on the way up. You know, they're kind of a, maybe, a, you know, an Angels team, maybe a Mets team that's kind of on their way up after hitting the bottom. And yeah. they're a team that, you know, has some 
has some legitimate players, especially Locadia, you know, uh, Frankie Amaya, who is their top pick in the Super Draft. But they just don't have enough structure. They don't have an identity. Need structure. They have a yeah. new, you know, new manager after everything. And it's one of these things that, like, you see, as a Browns fan, I could see, <laughs> when you have a new coach every year, you don't exactly yeah. have the identity. And I think that's one of the things that they struggle with. Because in their last game, they had the advantage for 75%, yeah. you know, 60% of the game. And they barely were able to, you know, uh, show anything for it. And I think that's the thing where they kind of have to put things together. And I don't really expect them to be good in this tournament, and maybe not even this year, but I think as they start to figure things out, I think in the next couple of years they have a few pieces that if they're smart and they build on them, yeah. they could be really good in the future. So we'll, that's what, uh, we'll see what happens this week. Uh, that's our recap from this past week. Uh, we'll see what happens as we get into the uh, decision week in MLS and opening week for MLB. We'll see. Yeah. So let us know what your, your biggest headlines are, you know, in the MLB and the MLS. And, of course, probably in the next couple of weeks we'll talk about our big headlines Jimmy as the NBA and the NHL start to heat things up and then just sports bonanza starts oh, yeah. as August starts. And then it'll probably abruptly stop, but we'll see. Cheers. That's our show. Let's cheers. Yeah, so we're going to have our cheers to end the show. Uh, I'll start first. My cheers goes actually to a group that I've hated for a long time, and you know Don Garber and the MLS, but the MLS has done a great job in their MLS's back tournament. Had a recent test, over a thousand plus players and coaches and you know everything else had zero positive tests. So able to keep the bubble going and able to keep sports in the United States going and it's something that we've really appreciated and it's something that has really brought up the mood around here in this podcast and across the nation. So shout out to MLS, Zach. I'm going to shout out Jordan Hancock, four-star recruit, cornerback out of Georgia, originally committed to Clemson, decommitted last yes. week, committed back to the OH, uh, makes up for the Justin Carmen out of Fairfield who committed to Clemson. Uh, that gets Ohio State 16 ESPN 300 recruits for next season. <laughs> Ryan Day's building a juggernaut. I think he's doing better than Meyer. So what, that's like 5% of all the top ESPN 300. <laughs> so, man. Over to Josh. Josh, who are you cheersing? Uh, my cheer is to, uh, you see him wearing the Auxilia 1 FC Cincinnati New York City jersey, Auxilia 1. They're a supporter group uh, based uh, in New York City in Brooklyn. Uh, shout out to them. Brooklyn! Getting me this jersey, I know, and this is to all supporters group, really, but like I know these guys like really enjoy getting together uh, in Brooklyn at a soccer Why club. Why is there a rat? Because uh, it's New York it's City. New York City. I believe his name is Roscoe. Uh, there was Roscoe. a big debacle last like year with Roscoe, but uh, yeah, Roscoe and the boys uh, hanging in Brooklyn and all the supporter groups for soccer, both FC Cincinnati crew and all teams. I know it hasn't been the same. I know it's hard. I know we can't get together at our soccer pubs like we usually do, but you got to admit, this tournament has been fun to watch. We'll be back next week, bigger and better than ever, talking more sports as sports starts to come back. Thank you so much for listening. Peace. Party back.